You're listening to the Upper Room Podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Um, today, being that it is Mother's Day, I wanted to uh, highlight and just kind of press play on one of our most beloved mothers and hear a little bit of her story and just have her impart what she wanted to impart to us today. Can you guys welcome back up Cheryl Hahn? You only thought you were done with me. I was tucking my five-year-old in last night. She was begging for another story because that's what we do every night. And I said, well, I got to work on my, my sermon. I'm, I'm teaching tomorrow. Mom, you're not allowed to preach. I was like, what? why not? You've never preached before. I was like, well, I have. You just haven't seen me. So I, I told her, I'll just tell my story then and then encourage. How about that? So I won't preach. I will just tell my story and encourage. Jeremy asked me to share a little bit about my journey into motherhood. Um, so... I'm going to start with that. And then I feel like God's put an encouragement on my heart for women and mothers um, that I'll share at the end. But so ever since I was walking, I, was, I walked at nine months, I've wanted to be a mom. I carried babies around. I nursed them. I took care of them. When my little brother was born at seven, you better believe I was like those shut girls carrying that guy around on my hip. I loved it. It was all I've wanted to do. Most, I voted most likely to have eight children in my graduating class. I fell a little short, but who knows? The story's not over yet. Um, so when Casey and I got married, <laughs> when Casey and I got married, it was just a matter. We were definitely having kids. It was just a matter of how soon and how many, and we couldn't agree on that. But um, when we first began trying, we waited several months, and no, nothing was happening. So we, we did a 40-day Daniel fast, and I was like, oh, this will be, that's such a perfect time to, to conceive and have a baby, and it didn't happen. And so I read all the books, and then I went and saw a naturopath for a year, and he had me taking 76 supplements a day. And I still didn't get pregnant. And so we, we prayed, we received prayer. Every person that would lay their hands on us in prayer, especially the ones that, you know, have, have an anointing for breakthrough in that area, we, we availed ourselves. And, and there was no baby yet. Um, we went through medical procedures to see there, if there were any diagnosable problems, and there weren't. So Casey, of course, if you know him, was not worried in the least that it had been three years and we were not pregnant. He was totally chill. God's timing. It's going to work out. And I wanted to be there so bad, but I wasn't. I was grieving. I was deeply, deeply angry and depressed and carrying the weight of grief. And I had lost my father um, to cancer a few years prior. And that grief did not compare to the grief of walking through infertility for me. It's such a strange thing, grieving for someone that doesn't exist. You know, when you, when you have grief for someone you know, like my dad, I had a face and a person to pin all those feelings to. But when, when that person isn't there, it's, so, it's such a strange place. Um, so I, I just worshiped and prayed my way out of a lot of sorrow and we kept adding pets because we could do that so we had four big dogs and one cat and I I really 
they tried to they tried to help me. They kept at bay the, my need for to love something, but they didn't quite cut it. Um, I'd always wanted to adopt, but we didn't have thousands of dollars that the agencies required, and Casey wasn't feeling the timing of it. And so I laid that down. I cried myself to sleep at night. You know, I I really battled through the the identity that I was. I knew that God had given me. And um, after about three and a half years, Jesus brought a beautiful girl into our lives who was newly pregnant and looking for a couple to adopt her baby. And so we walked through the pregnancy with her. I was there in the room when she gave birth. And 12 years ago last week, we brought home our oldest son, Jet Remington Hahn. And we were parents after four years. It was so exciting. We, I had been constantly waiting, constantly praying. And now I was a mother and I had a sweet baby that he needed to move all the time, y'all. I'm not joking. We had to put him to sleep on an exercise. We would sit on the exercise ball and bounce for hours. Casey popped one of them. I mean, it, and if you know Jet today, you know that not that much has changed. He's a very active fellow. Um, and he's such a blessing to us. And to have been part of the adoption process is a gift that I don't have words to describe. It is incredible. It's amazing. Um, and yet I was still longing in my heart to be pregnant to myself. And my sweet husband, he was just sure that if I just got a baby, I was going to be happy. But I, I still wanted to be pregnant. And I, I struggled with guilt. Like, I have this beautiful baby. Why, why am I still longing for this thing? And um, I, we weathered his screaming well because we had waited. And we, we had waited long and we appreciated it no matter what. Um, but after six months, legal meetings, home studies, living on an emotional roller coaster, he was legally ours forever. And it was awesome. Um, but while I was praying in the waiting... Uh, we went and saw a fertility specialist who wanted to do some more testing. And um, he was about two at that time. And before I could get the testing scheduled, we had our first pregnancy test that was positive. No, not you. Not you. You come in just a second. Um, Sadly, seven days later, I, I started showing signs of miscarriage. And I can't tell you the, oh, the... I can't, it was just terrible. But I was leading worship at a women's conference and I was worshiping and declaring life. And, and even in the midst of that, I, I did miscarry. And, you know, a lot of women really grieve in, in the place of miscarriage. But for us, it was the first time in six years that we had been trying that we had even, it was even possible. So at that point, it was just like, I'm very sad but I'm very hopeful. And three months later, we got another pregnancy test. You can, you can wave now. <laughs> um, and it was the highest high I can remember feeling. Um, but I began showing signs of miscarriage right after seven days after that. And the fear and the terror overtook my heart. And I was really battling the fear. Um, and in the middle of that, friends of ours lost their baby in an emergency C-section at seven months. And I was heartbroken. And I was talking to Jesus about it and just, just asking, like, what, what do I do with this? Where do I put this? And he gave me a, a phrase that has been my anchor 
in my motherhood journey. He told me every day is a gift. And he reminded me about other friends of ours that have lost three children. Their first, they lost um, at a, at, to stillbirth at, at six months. The second, they lost at two years. And the third, they lost at 18 years. And he reminded me about them. And he said, would it have been easier if that sweet baby had been two years old or 18 years old? Every day is a gift. Every day. Life is precious. There's no guarantees about tomorrow. And it broke that fear for me. I still had panic. I still had signs of miscarriage. But I just, every time, in the face of it, I said, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of this life. If I never meet this baby on this side of heaven, thank you that I have today with this baby. And it changed everything. And thank you, Jesus, that I didn't miscarry. I got to carry Granger Kenway Han to full term. He was born on leap day, which is a very special day in our family because my husband is also born on leap day. And we rejoiced. And then when he was 10 months old, we conceived another time. And we, have, we had a little girl that was born a year, year and a half later. And then two years later, we had another little girl born on leap day. So we have three leap day babies in our family, which makes it interesting to celebrate when there's no day. Um, and then we also had lots of animals and children at the same time because those dogs and cat were still around. Our life was very full. And I'd love to say that, that that part of my journey, I had waited patiently and I fully trusted God's faithfulness, but I, it wasn't my journey. I, I kept it together outwardly pretty well, but inside I had a lot of ugly things exposed as the days and the months, years passed. Um, I knew my performance had nothing to do with God's love for me, but I was really angry on the inside that, that God wasn't living up to my idea of what his end of the bargain was. I had served him my whole life. I'd served him since I was three years old. And he had given me the desire to be a mom. That's, he gave it to me. I didn't make it up. And I was really upset that he wasn't fulfilling that need in the timeline that I thought was appropriate. He was giving babies to people who didn't want babies, to people who weren't married, who didn't serve him, who didn't love him. And it really, I really dealt with a lot of anger. And, um, you know, I chose to serve him, but I didn't serve him with wholehearted devotion at lots of times. And I didn't serve him with humble submission. I did it with a lot of a bad attitude a lot of the time and a hard heart. And when he blessed me with babies, my heart was still offended in some places. You know, it wasn't because I got it together and then he said, okay, now she gets it. Now I can trust her with baby. It was because it was his timing. It was his goodness. He's faithful. He's good. It had nothing to do with how I performed, which I knew in my mind all along, but hadn't entered my heart, you know. So, if you are in a waiting season, whatever it is, whatever it is you're walking through, if, if you're there, just know that he loves you, he sees you, he knows, and he is faithful. Even when you are not, he is faithful, and he loves you. And I just want to encourage you, if you are in that season, that, that he's right there, he's close, and he can handle your disappointment, you know? So... That is how I came into motherhood. And then uh, a few years ago, I was in a Bible study called Spirit-Led Mothering, and I really felt like God put on my heart um, just an encouragement for women, 
mothers to join with him in creating, being co-creators, and how, it's, how important it is that we recognize our identity as co-creators. So I love that one of the five prayer points that Ashley was up here praying about earlier during our fast is about women stepping into their uniquely feminine gifts. It's so crucial. So hang with me, guys, and listen for your moms and your wives and your sisters so you can pray for them. Um, In the beginning, she read this verse, God created, he existed. And the first thing we learn about his his existence is that he created his activity, that's what he did. So he created the whole universe, and on the sixth day, God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. He blessed them prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. And God created Eve as a helper, a companion, someone to remedy Adam's aloneness. Adam named her Eve because she was the mother of all life. And God has a purpose for creating each one of you women in this room, female. He was very intentional about that. His purpose is very, very clear. I love thinking about the many references all throughout the Bible about all things female. So the Hebrew women that were so vigorous, they delivered before the midwives could get there in Exodus 1. And the the beloved in Song of Solomon that wisdom is personified as a woman in Proverbs. The church is Jesus' glorious bride. The creation is pregnant with waiting. There are so many parallels between being female and kingdom life. And as a mother, a wife, a daughter, a sister, you've been uniquely designed to create, to carry new life, new ideas, and deliver with vigor and strength that which God has placed within you to bring it to full term, to nurture it into the world, to bring it to adulthood. And that's literally and spiritually. I don't know why or how writing a poem or painting or completing a triathlon or managing a meal plan or creating a spreadsheet or speaking the truth in love can change the world, but I believe it can. I'm not sure if it's what happens in us when we create or if it's the process of the thing coming into existence or both or something else. I don't know, but I know that power is released when we create with him, when we step into what he's called us to. The Holy Spirit is brooding over the deep parts of us as he was in the beginning when God spoke and light appeared. You were created godlike, reflecting his nature. When you speak or draw or paint or dance or sing or manage or direct or sew or quilt or whatever it is that you do that he's uniquely created to you to do when you do that light appears God made you female with the intention of revealing himself through you as a mother as a wife a daughter you reflect his glory uniquely so knowing what pregnancy is or knowing what's involved in pregnancy is totally different than being pregnant you know, there, there's something about the experiential in your own person that, that gives breath and life. So I think to birth something in the spirit takes on new levels of meaning when you've experienced something in your physical body like that. And that's not to say men or anyone who hasn't given birth can't birth something in the spirit because they absolutely can and do. But 
when you've been a radiant bride, bridal passages of scripture are experiential as well as revelational, you know. And when you've breastfed a baby, you've felt the resounding no to Isaiah's question, can a woman forget her nursing child? No, you cannot. I think God has called so many women to the ministry of intercession because of their capacity to live in the waiting, to trust the process of gestation and the unknown and the hidden. In pregnancy, you see and feel things happening in your own body, and you don't know who's in there. You don't know when they're going to be born. You don't know if everything's going as it should. The process is key, and he's all about the process. It's, it's like when you give birth, you don't say, well, that's done, and then you just go back to normal. You know, now you have this human that depends on you, and you have to sustain it, and, and then they grow into a toddler, and then you have to relearn them all over again, and all the way up until then you have to begin the process of letting them go, which is even harder. So God wants to be with each of us in the process of what he's calling us to create. He hasn't called us to do or to be anything by ourselves. Being created female doesn't qualify you to proceed in life with creativity and strength in isolation from him. He wants you and him to be inextricably linked in the drafting table that's your daily life. He wants to do it with you. So what does it look like to discipline this child? How can I stay on top of all this laundry? What do I do? Who do you want to be for me when I'm having a hard time connecting with my family, my husband, my son, my daughter? What can, you, what can I do with this repeated lack? God, what do you want to do? How do you want to partner with me to see creativity released in this area? He has, he's so... He's every bit as interested in transforming us in those menial daily tasks as he is in the big public eye in ministry or whatever he's called you to. Those daily moments are where he's, his invitations come. So I just want to leave you with an encouragement to ask him to show you how he sees you and then step into acting like that person. If he says you're a songbird, sing often loudly, joyfully, songs that are new to you, songs that are old to you, silly songs with your kids. If he says you're a painter, start painting. If he says you're a creative problem solver, start trying ideas instead of being overwhelmed or stumped. If he says you have a gift for healing, lay your hands on your little scraped knees and your sad tummies that are around you and pray for people in the grocery store. If he says you're a runner, start walking if you need to. And if you're like me, it may seem silly, like nothing's going to come of it, but I really felt him asking that if we would trust him in the process, in the hiddenness, in the waiting, in the dark soil of his love. Because if he can feed thousands with a little boy's lunchbox, surely he can birth beauty out of our small offerings. So before Jeremy comes, I just want to pray again over the women. Jesus, thank you for awakening and activating women in their value and contribution in every sphere. Thank you for power and anointing on each woman's voice, leadership, and uniquely feminine gifts they bring to the church and every place of influence. We love you, and we thank you for showing us your heart through those who you created in your image. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Hey. Woo, Cheryl. Oh, that was so good. Didn't you just feel the grace pour forth from her lips? That was so good, Cheryl. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, Ashley and I had the privilege of knowing you guys in, through that phase and walking with you and, and seeing the, um, the highs and some of the lows. And um, you guys stewarded those heartbreaks and those victories so beautifully. And look at your family today. You're a, a huge blessing to everyone around you, especially this body. So if you don't know, Casey and Cheryl are elders here. We're so blessed to have them. And, you know, I, I obviously uh, can never be a mother, um, but I've had <laughs> the privilege of walking closely with many and, and witnessing um, the lives that mothers lead and the power and strength and, and the things that uh, they're able to do uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually that are just beyond me. And kind of like Cheryl shared some of her story, I wanted to share some of uh, a section of Ashley and, and my story of how we had all of these kids and um, watched our house turn into a junk drawer. And um, <laughs> we've, we discovered that going to the bathroom without children banging on the door is totally overrated. <laughs> We homeschool sometimes, you know, and, but sometimes we're more like the substitute teacher that shows up and rolls a TV out and turns on a movie and sits in the back of class eating snacks. That's <laughs> I uh, thought that I'd prepare a, another joke about a duck, but I decided not to today. If, it's an inside joke if you were at the wedding. <clears throat> um, but no, anyway, I digress. Moving on. <clears throat> Ashley and I were married, <clears throat> excuse me, can I get a, a bottle of water from a friend? Thank you. Uh, Ashley and I were married for about a year and a half when we discovered we were pregnant. And um, it was a really powerful moment. Um, and just, just filled with the Holy Spirit, we were just rejoicing and celebrating. I, I, the, the joy that filled my heart is indescribable. And also, um, I was really just excited to find out that things worked physically for us. And, and I say that with great gentleness um, and sobriety because there are people in this room and, and we have, uh, I know women around the, the country that I'm, I'm fervently praying for that they would get pregnant because as Cheryl mentioned, it is a God-given uh, desire of the heart. And so I say that with great gentleness and, and tenderness for anyone in here or listening to this um, who's trying to be pregnant. Um, so our first boy comes along. It's Judah, and he's perfect, and we love him, and it's amazing. And it's, it's also really hard, but it's hard in the ways that it's supposed to be hard that you kind of expect and hear about. And then the learning curve is so intense. And... Um, Four months, four or five months after having Judah, guess what's put in front of my face again? A positive pregnancy test. Four months. <laughs> Something like that. And so anyway, <clears throat> um, we have another baby on the way. And it's like, whoa, this is amazing. It really does work. It's raining babies <laughs> in the Shuck house. And um, <clears throat> thank you, Alexis. 
And uh, Evelyn's born, and she's the sweetest little snuggliest little girl, and it's it's awesome. But Ashley, it, she has a handful of nights throughout the year where she doesn't get interrupted in her sleep. It's exhausting. It's tiring. And I see her just stepping up to the challenge in, in ways that I cannot. <laughs> and... Um, Several months uh, after having Evelyn, you guys know what I'm going to say, another pregnancy test, positive. And we have a third pregnancy in two years, right? That's about the right math. And because of that, uh, you know, looking at the logistical obstacles, the emotional toll, the physical toll, we were slightly less excited, but still rejoicing, you know, still like, oh God, you're blessing us again. Oh God, you're blessing us again. <laughs> like, and um, <clears throat> I mean, there were so many diapers. <laughs> Amazon Prime loves us. Like we, we made Jeff Bezos stock go up with the amount of diapers that you know, came through our house. Um, and, uh, you know, we had, you know, reasonable concerns and fleshly annoyances and logistical hurdles and exhaustion, but deep down we were joyful um, that God was giving us another baby, but it was hard to be quite as stoked as the first two. And so along comes a day when Jane, our third baby, is born, and she's beautiful and perfect and love her like crazy and... Um, uh, and, and I wasn't necessarily connecting as instantly with her as the other two. I mean, this is just behind the scenes talk. I've talked to a lot of parents about this and how, how quickly your heart connects, you know, irrevocably, you know, to that baby. Well, about six days after she was born, um, she started developing a difficulty breathing. Um, and we didn't think too much of it. We're not easily alarmed. And it's our third baby. It's our third rodeo. We've seen a lot. And so Ashley takes Jane in. Lord, bless those screaming babies. It's like they know it's Mother's Day. <laughs> They're just singing of mom's praise right now. <laughs> so um, Ashley takes Jane into the doctor, and the medical alarms are all sounded. Um, they say that she has RSV, which is a respiratory infection that can be deadly for newborns. This is me not trying, you're trying not to cry again. So um, she gets rushed to the hospital and um, suddenly uh, we're, f we're kind of praying and, and fighting for this baby that was a surprise and this baby that meant a lot of extra work and this baby that came unexpectedly. <clears throat> and um, suddenly all those small, like fleshly annoyances or, um, you know, the logistical hurdles that had passed through my minds regarding having another baby seemed like a complete offense to love. Something about 2021, where I just cry. <laughs> you guys know what a duck's favorite snack is, right? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> See, that, that's helping. Cheese and quackers. Okay, moving on. <clears throat> yeah, you, I mean, you guys really do bear with a, a weepy pastor more often than most places, so thank you. Um, but holding you know, that helpless, sick baby Jane uh, hooked up to tubes, struggling pr- for breath, uh, and Ashley and I switching off shifts in the hospital. Uh, when I was in there, um, it, was hard, it was hard to even hold her because she had so many things in this apparatus, and she's in a plastic um, you know, hospital baby bassinet. And, but I would lean over into this thing and try not to tug on the tubes too much and pick her up and put her against my chest. And I just fell, I fell in love with her, my, my daughter, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I fell in love with her. And I heard, the, I heard the Lord whisper. And he said, I fall in love with the broken ones too. And I knew that he meant all of us. Sorry, I don't know if I've ever told this story uh, to you guys before. Um, But there was no medical bill too high. I mean, I would embrace lifelong debt if I could just have healthy Jane in my house. And uh, we did. We got healthy Jane. It was a week in the hospital ICU recovery, and we got to bring her home. And she's been just a light to um, our life. I mean, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, And so what I want you guys to know is that parenting takes extreme bravery. Because anything could happen to these little ones that you unconditionally love. And it's crazy how you love them so much because they don't say thank you for like five years. You just pour forth selfless acts of love day after day after day. And no one talks about this, like, this mile marker moment when, like, the baby smiles back at you and you feel, like, an ounce of reciprocation, like, appreciation. You're like, oh, my gosh, you do love me. Or at least you're just thankful that I'm your feeding apparatus, you know, like... Um, if you're, you have a tendency to worry and you become a parent, well, you're going to be in for a lot of it if you don't figure out how to engage the Prince of Peace. Because there's accidents that could happen. There's sickness that could come. There's violence that could come. And the older ones, they can break your heart too. They could wander off for a while. Or they could, I mean, some wander off and don't come back. And, they, and it just, it's heartbreaking. But Jesus knows that feeling. He really does. This is Matthew 23. He says, how I've longed to gather my children like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. So we know that the prodigal son has in this story has this incredible hero, you know, the father who runs off the porch. Um, but I, I can almost guarantee there was a praying mom in that house. As, as dad runs off the porch and throws a ring and a robe on his son and throws a feast with a fattened calf, the mom's in there like, you're welcome. <laughs> I prayed that boy into the pig trough and back out. <laughs> 
<clears throat> moms usually have the worst, the worst of it. They have it worse off. Moms have that kind of love where they love so hard it hurts. And it's, it's God-given. It's sacred. It's holy. They bundle their kids warmer in the winter than a dad would. They remember like to make them brush their teeth and eat their vitamins. I mean, could you imagine being Mary and knowing that you're carrying God in your womb, birthing the Lord incarnate, nursing this little baby creator of the universe. Like, and the, the, the weight that she carried, knowing his destiny, protecting him from falling down and hurting himself and teaching, teaching the Lord of the universe how to not spill his goat milk and how to, you know, rate that, I mean, she had a front row seat before anyone else to understand how the Father, Son, Holy Spirit carry us because she got to carry him. She carried Christ while she was in Christ. Isn't that crazy? You guys know that if you Google God is good, it will autofill then why do we suffer? Why is there suffering? I recently heard someone say this on a podcast and I tried it out. I Googled, if God is good and then it auto-corrected, why do we suffer? Why is there evil? Why do bad things happen? Which shows us that we are missing the heart of the story from the point of view of the father-mother heart of God. Because who has the ability to hurt us most? Who has the ability to bring the most pain into our lives? You could go through a breakup. It's insane. It's painful. You could go through a, You could lose a spouse. You could lose a, a close friend. But what about the loss of a child or a child wandering off? Studies have shown that that is the worst kind of emotional pain. That when a mother or father loses a child, they're, they, they're, 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 it's like they're marked by it for the rest of their life, like a limp. Like they're walking with a limp. And God obviously can do all sorts of redemption and even use that limp to, to create this glorious, beautiful story of redemption. But what I'm saying is that there's no one, no relationship can cause us more pain than our own kids. No one has the potential to cause us the most suffering as our, as our own children. So that question that people ask Google, if you actually understand the heart of God, should be flipped on its head. And it should read something more like this. If God knew that he would suffer so much for his kids, why then did he still create us? If he knew what his love for us would compel him to do for our sake, if he knew the lengths that he'd have to go to in order just to prove his love to his beloved humanity, then why did he create us? 
Guys, the story of scripture is not about humans trying to appease an angry God. All of scripture is a story about God proving his love to us and regaining us into his heart of communion. When he created us, when he created Adam and Eve, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they were already completely fulfilled in their love for one another. Other-centered, self-giving, pouring forth love. He was compelled by this never-ending, self-giving love within himself to bring us into that divine connection, that communion, that everlasting party, that spiritual romance, regardless of the cost. When we had wandered, regardless of the, co- of the cost, he would still rid us of the disease that had afflicted our souls and brought death upon us. And we get to be eternally grateful for the privilege of receiving and reciprocating love to him. See, we wanted to bring kids into our lives. We wanted to increase the party. We wanted to bring beautiful children into the party of our love. And after Jane, we had two more. (laughs) We couldn't get enough of it. And I can't promise you that life would be absent of pain. In fact, Jesus kind of promised us the opposite is that in this world you would have troubles. This life won't be absent of pain, but in him it will be full of love. I wanna pray for our moms. And uh, I did this last year, and this year I wanted to put the the prayer up on the screen so that you guys can kind of read along so that maybe these words, they might have a little bit more um, potency or or hit you differently as you read them. But... um, Let's pray. You know, um, sometimes when we pray, pastors say, like, bow your heads. And I, I love that it, that's like a humble posture. It's like honoring. It's, I mean, I can't find it in Scripture. That doesn't mean that it's not good. What I do find in Scripture is like Jesus lifting his eyes to heaven. And so um, you can keep your eyes open and, and you can even smile <laughs> because this is a joyful day of celebration. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for every mother, grandmother, foster mother, spiritual mother, pregnant woman, woman trying to get pregnant, and every mother who has lost a child in the womb or after. We pray for the mom caring for kids, carrying unborn, and the mom who now has adult kids. Bless her with empowering joy today. Encourage her in the work of her hands and the love that she has so freely given to those children under her. Destroy all fear regarding the future for her children. Remove all false responsibility right now and all mom guilt that many have known cover over anything that feels like failure and a wave of empowering grace. Encourage and affirm her for laying down or delaying her dreams or personal promises because no greater love has anyone than this that she lay down her life for her kids. 
Let her feel satisfied with the work of her hands. Give her wisdom and guidance to train those kids to walk in your path and to then leave the results to you. Help her to love without limitations and to pray without ceasing. Where prayers still seem unanswered and dreams not yet realized, let her hope be renewed in you. Where children have wandered far from where she would desire them, encourage her to trust and pray and bring the prodigals home. For every woman who is trying to have children, let the breakthrough happen. Physical barriers be removed. Spiritual opposition and enemies be dispelled in Jesus' name. Father, remove all shame, fear, and fault-finding lies. Let peace rule in these hearts, especially those who are waiting simply because you're waiting for the perfect moment to bring that baby. But Lord, as long as there isn't some timing issue in your calendar, let it rain, babies. For those who have adopted or foster kids or desire to do so, God, enable them physically, emotionally, and financially to provide safety, love, and discipline. Let the empowering spirit of adoption fill their hearts with the same power of love that Jesus has for us. Let every detail fall into place for these children to come to them. For every woman who has lost a child in the womb, repair the damage that was done and restore the joy that was stolen, a double portion for what was lost. Any word curses and evil assignments be broken by the blood of Jesus and our authority as believers. Let healthy mourning occur and miraculous recovery and conception proceed. For those who have lost their mothers, God God of comfort, wrap your arms around them. Fill the void and let them experience you as the mother to the motherless as you are also the father to the fatherless. Where sorrow and trauma have damaged their hearts, bring healing, hope, and joy. We love our mothers and those seeking motherhood. Father, give them new depths of intimacy with you and understanding of your heart as they carry the burden of love and fill them again, Holy Spirit. Amen.